0: This week on Blue 58, the Packers are back to losing. We take up the question of who, if anyone, is to blame for the team's struggles. Then a promising rookie is arrested and a former player passes away. Finally, we wrap up with a big discussion on all things quarterback. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the official podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink, coming to you today from, I guess, what we can call the Power Sweeps mobile headquarters, mobile recording studio. I'm in the guest bedroom of my parents in law, my in law's house in Perrysburg, Ohio, coming to you from Northwest Ohio this week instead of Southern Indiana. Got a jam packed show for you today. So, on this Thanksgiving week, let's dive right in. If you hear what sounds like some ethereal music in the background, that is because my wife, a professional musician, is playing harp in preparation for an upcoming gig. So a little mood music if you hear that. If not, maybe you're just imagining something. Anyway, diving in, guess what? The Packers lost again. This time, this time a 23 to nothing shutout at the hands of the Baltimore Ravens. It's pretty much a bummer, but if you were paying attention to what we've been doing here at the at the Power Sweep, you should not be all that surprised about this. Last week after the Packers beat the Bears, we wrote Ultimately, a win against the Bears changes little. Chicago's a hapless organization, Aaron Rodgers is still hurt and the defense still has issues. But darn if it doesn't feel good. And at the time, it did feel pretty good. But there's all the reasons to be concerned about the Packers were still there last week. Then we did a whole episode on tanking, and then this loss happened. It was predictable, but I'll tell you what, it still feels pretty bad because this was an especially bad loss first shot out for the Packers since 2006, and had it not been for one of Brett Hundley's late turnovers, it would have been just the fourth Packers loss since 2006 where the Packers allowed 16 or fewer points. The Ravens got that cheapy touchdown late. It still practically counts, although it doesn't technically. Pretty much everyone on the Packers, though, played pretty well. Again, except for that cheapy touchdown late, the Packers were in this. 16 points is a very winnable game. The Packers, 57 and three in Mike McCarthy's tenure with the team when they allow 16 or fewer points. Seemingly, everyone but Brett Hundley played pretty well. So, what does that say about the Packers quarterback situation? Well, it's not good uh, for me, and we'll touch on this in depth in the second half of the podcast. But this represents an organizational failure for the Packers at just about every level, from personnel acquisition to coaching to the players on the field. This is a failure. This is a failed situation for the Packers right now at quarterback. We'll get to that in a second. Any positive, though, coming out of this game? I think the offensive line uh, is is worth being positive about. Brett Hundley ran himself into a lot. Uh, but Really, I think the offensive line was pretty solid, especially considering the caliber of the defense they were playing. The defense, top to bottom, I think worth being excited about in this one. Sure, Joe Flacco is not an elite quarterback, but you know, you, you you're supposed to take care of business against teams that you're supposed to beat or players that you're supposed to beat. Joe Flacco is a player the Packers defense is supposed to beat, and they took care of him on Sunday, by and large. The pass rush especially did a very good job, put a lot of heat on Flacco, who had been sacked just 19 times coming into this game. Pretty impressive effort, I think, for the Packers' defensive front. It was Really, it made it especially frustrating, or extra frustrating, I guess, to see Kenny Clark go out with what turned out to be not that serious of an injury late, although that looked pretty bad at the time. Finally, I think the wide receivers, mostly Devontae Adams, but the wide receivers in general... Um, are worth being excited about in this game. Brett Hundley didn't get them the ball very much. I will say that. I, I guess that's the, that's the conclusion there. But guys got open. And I think this is an opportunity for for people to really, I guess, appreciate what, what, uh, what the Packers have at receiver. I think if you watch the game and pay extra close attention, even if you don't have the All-22 tape like we do, if you watch the game, you can see guys getting open. And Hundley, for just whatever reason, is not getting them the ball. If you watched this game with that Thursday Night Football spider cam type thing, you'd, been, you'd have lost your mind at the guys that Hundley had running open. And people are taking this as an opportunity to pile on, on Jordy Nelson. He has not produced typically great stats like we've seen from Nelson. Since Aaron Rodgers went down, and I don't think that's an indictment of him at all. Think about what Jordy Nelson does really well. He is a zone killer. He is so experienced and so good at finding holes in the zone that he will get to them and a good quarterback will find him. Well, what does Brett Hundley struggle with the most? Reading coverages, making those second and third reads. That's exactly where Jordy Nelson would be, that second, that third read down the list. And if Hundley isn't making those reads, there's no chance for for Nelson to make any impact on the game. Stats are generally a pretty poor um, gauge of of how a receiver performs past the second or third guy or so. Jordy Nelson is that second or third guy right now, and his stats don't look very good. But I think it's deceptive, and I think the Packers receivers are playing pretty well. Hundley just isn't finding them. Moving right along here, Aaron Jones has been arrested or was arrested quite some time ago, and this could leave the Packers uh, without him early next year. The facts of the case, Uh, Jones arrested the Monday after the Packers' Thursday night win over the Chicago Bears, so a little more than a month ago. Uh, He was doing 79 miles an hour in a 55 mile per hour zone. He admitted to the officer on the scene that he had been using marijuana at a point earlier in that day taken to the hospital for a blood test and released, uh, as it turns out, into the protective custody of Donatello Brown, who helped him get home. So what happens to Aaron Jones now? Probably looking at a suspension. Gary wrote this one up for us, and he says, look to the Geronimo Allison case. Um, Allison ended up with a one-game suspension and a $350 fine, $330.50 fine, excuse me, and doing some community service. Similar sort of situation for Allison. Pulled over um, and then officer found marijuana in his car. So there is the possession aspect there. We'll see after Jones's case works its way through the legal system and he has a court date set for February 1st. So a ways to go yet there. But I would imagine Jones is probably going to be suspension. Three quick things we need to talk about with this, though. First, don't get mad at reporters who report this stuff. I don't think this is something that really applies to listeners of this program. But I see it all the time. If you, I, I'm, a, I can't help myself on stories like this. I end up reading the comments uh, on Facebook or on Twitter um, directed towards reporters who cover things like this. They're just doing their jobs, guys. Don't get mad at them for covering stuff like this. Also, second, don't say, who cares? It's just marijuana. Guys, someone's going to get suspended for this. These are the rules. You can't break the rules. If you do, you're going to get suspended. This is legitimate team news. It doesn't matter what you think of marijuana or people getting arrested for marijuana. That's not the issue here. He broke a rule. He broke the law. And he's probably going to get suspended for it. That's news. If you care about the Packers, you should probably care about this at least a little bit. And again, a a, a caveat on that one. It, to that, it doesn't matter what you think of marijuana or people getting arrested for marijuana. This is not that he was driving under the influence of marijuana. It may not have been a lot. And I don't care what you think about him smoking it or not. That's a different issue. If you're going to smoke, even if it is legal, don't do it and then drive. Okay. That, that, that puts other people's lives in danger, especially if you're going 79 and a 55. Finally, third thing, don't get mad at the NFL for this. This one might be a little bit more controversial. Um, sure, attitudes about marijuana are changing around the country. They're far different than they were even just 10 years ago. Certainly, since the, over the life of the NFL, they have changed dramatically. But again, this is still a federal issue. Uh, it's still a controlled substance by the federal government. That's what they consider it. It has not been legalized at a federal level. And, The NFL as a league is really just following suit. On top of that, if the players in the NFL don't want to get suspended for using things like marijuana, you got to take that up with your players' union. They had their chance to get this straightened out when they did the last collective bargaining agreement in 2011. That's the time to litigate stuff like this. That's the time to get mad about it. That's the time to push back and really say, wow, attitudes about marijuana are changing. This shouldn't be something you get suspended for. Then you can decide if that's something you want to do or not. Six years later, too late. I don't have a lot of sympathy for you. That's, that's just too bad. You, you should have brought that up when you had the chance. Um, that goes for a lot of things in the NFL, by the way. Uh, don't try to litigate things after the fact. Take that to your players' union and try to get that straightened out. Uh, I should climb off that soapbox lest we get too far derailed here. Uh, a little bit of a sad one for online line here. Former Packers wide receiver Terry Glenn Passes away in a car accident, Monday morning, just 43 years old. 43 is not that old. That's really, really, really sad. And some of the circumstances haven't come out. I'm not saying there is any further story to it. It's it's probably just he died in a car accident and those things happened. But really, really, really sad. Um, just one year with the Packers and not all that spectacular. 817 yards or so on 56 catches, just the two touchdowns for Terry Glenn. But it was an interesting time. I think looking back, it's especially interesting Packers traded two draft picks for Terry Glenn in early 2002, uh, a fourth-round pick in the 2002 draft and a conditional pick, which turned out to be a fourth-round pick in the 2003 draft. Um, Some interesting nuggets about getting Terry Glenn to Green Bay. Uh, The Packers and Patriots got together at the NFL Combine in 2002 to talk about doing a deal for Terry Glenn. And uh, Mike Sherman, who was the general manager for the Packers at the time, and Reggie McKenzie, a personnel man, who now is the general manager for the Oakland Raiders, they wanted to meet with Glenn in person before they agreed to do the trade. So they met up with Terry Glenn's agent, uh, Jim Gold, and drove from Indy to Cincinnati, where Terry Glenn was staying, talked to him for a couple hours, then drove back. And uh, McKenzie says, and we quote this in our article on, on thepowersweep.com, we were pounding away at him. I mean, he had every chance to go off or show anything negative. He had plenty of chances, but he didn't. This is a guy, mind you, who had serious, several fairly serious run-ins with the law during his time in New England and um, was every bit the mercurial wide receiver stereotype that, uh, that people seem to have. Um, but no issues when he talked to Sherman and McKenzie and uh, ends up coming to Green Bay in a trade. Second interesting thing, I think, is Brett Favre, in the way that only he can, decides that he is going to be the guy who kind of welcomes him to Green Bay, and he takes Terry Glenn golfing. Uh, this is interesting to me. We just reported that, uh, that nugget as is um, when the story about Terry Glenn broke, but since then I've read an interesting story by Drew Bledsoe, um, who was the quarterback for the New England Patriots when Glenn was there and later... Uh, was a teammate of uh, Terry Glenn's when he played for Dallas. Uh, he says he tried to get Terry Glenn into golf uh, after he left the team, after Glenn retired and after uh, Bledsoe retired. They, they met up and tried to golf, and Glenn, did, Glenn didn't know how. He had to learn how. Um, this more than, I guess, almost 15 years after the fact, not quite 15 years, maybe five, closer to 10 years after the fact, after um, after his time with Drew Bledsoe in New England, and five or eight years after he was in Green Bay, and Brett Favre tried to take him golfing. He still didn't know how to golf, so Favre tries to integrate him into the team by taking him to do something that uh, maybe Brett Favre wants to do more than Terry Glenn wants to do. Uh, either way, didn't really work out for for Terry Glenn in Green Bay. But it's interesting to me to think about. um Ted Thompson trying something like this. I think it really illustrates the difference between Sherman and Thompson. Ted Tom- or Mike Sherman would try anything. He traded his second-round pick almost every single year, uh, traded for Al Harris, tried trading for Terry Glenn. Um, he was trying stuff, and uh, he, both to his credit and detriment. It doesn't seem like Mike Sherman really had a system, but he tried things, that is for sure. You can't, uh, you can't knock him for trying things. Did those things work out? Uh, well, most of the time, no, unfortunately. They, they really didn't work out. Uh, Joe Johnson didn't work out. Terry Glenn really didn't work out. Uh, a couple of those other trades really didn't work out. You know, that happens. Uh, sometimes things in the NFL didn't work out, but, you know, he, he tried some things. Just imagine Ted Thompson trading for a guy like Terry Glenn. Maybe it is really, a, it involves signing a guy like Martellus Bennett. That is an entirely different can of worms. We will not dive into that today. What we'll dive into is uh, some exciting news if you are a fan of nice-looking shirts and a fan of the Power Sweep. We've got a brand-new shirt up on our tee which you can find by going to thepowersweep.com and clicking on the word shop at the top of our homepage. It's a good one, commemorating all four of the Packers' Super Bowl titles. Uh, you'll look stylish, and I think. I, I certainly think so, and you can take my word for it. I'm wearing jogging pants. A white T-shirt and a and a fleece right now. So if there's anybody who knows everything about fashion, it's probably me. Take that with a grain of salt, but I think it's a fantastic looking shirt, and it's our best one so far in green and gold. Give a look at that one. If that doesn't get you in the mood for shirt buying, I know something that probably will. It's going to be Black Friday here coming up in just a couple days. We are celebrating. We are offering thirty percent off everything at uh, at the Power Sweep store on Teespring available for you. Uh, And if there is a promo code involved, I have to check into that yet. It will be included with this post on the blog. So go to ThePowerSweep.com. Check out the post for this week's episode of Blue 58 for 30% off. It will also be available through our social media channels. We're doing it for Black Friday. Check it out. If you've been waiting to get a PowerSweep shirt, hoodie, whatever, they're great. Um, This is a great opportunity to do it. 30% off. Keep an eye out for that. It's going to be for Black Friday, and it's going to be awesome. Maybe pick up a new version of that shirt we just released this week. Hit, hit. I mentioned near the start of the show that to me it seems like something approaching organizational failure for the Packers to not have a good backup quarterback. At 5-5, five and five, the Packers are still technically alive um, for the playoffs. I said last week, we, we talked a little bit about the path to the playoffs uh, in regard to tanking, that there was a path. There was a way for the Packers to get to the playoffs. And technically, that's still true. They could get in in a variety of different ways. I, if the Vikings and Lions both lose out and the Packers get hot here, I mean, it, it could be still an NFC North championship for the Packers that gets them to the playoffs. That's not going to happen. The Vikings are solid this year. The Lions look way better than the Packers. They handled this pretty good a couple weeks ago. It, it, that's not going to happen. While technically there is a way for the Packers to get to the playoffs, they're not. And the Packers season in large part is over because they do not have a good backup quarterback. Could this season have been salvaged with a good backup quarterback? Obviously, yes. If they have a good backup quarterback, they at least have a chance is it realistic to expect them to have a backup quarterback that's good enough to keep them in a season? That's an entirely different question from this issue. And I think the evidence is pretty strong that that's not a very good possibility. But that's a discussion for a different day. The point right now is that the Packers did not and do not have a solid backup quarterback for Aaron Rodgers. And someone is to blame for that. And I think everyone is to blame for that. From Ted Thompson to Mike McCarthy to Brett Hundley and all the other quarterbacks on the roster, this is not a good situation. Let's take a look at each of those three levels and explain a little bit why this is so troubling. First and foremost, Ted Thompson. It's his job to put players on the Packers roster who can help them win games. Obviously, that's the general manager's job. At quarterback, Ted Thompson has not done this. I'm going to quote at length here two paragraphs from a recent article by Tom Silverstein of PackersNews.com, technically of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, it really doesn't matter anymore. Quote, since drafting Rodgers, Thompson has selected Ingle Martin, Brian Brom and Matt Flynn, and BJ Coleman, and Brett Hundley in the draft. Other than Flynn, who managed to go 2-2-1, and the one time he had to take over the starting job for more than one game, it's a terrible record. When you combine it with the ridiculous failures of Seneca Wallace, Scott Tolzine, Graham Harrell, and Vince Young to name a few, pretty much all of them actually, it's downright embarrassing. Thompson, more than anyone, should have been able to judge whether Hundley can play the pro game based on a hard drive full of practice and exhibition game tape available to him. If Hundley is a bust, Thompson has wasted a year in which Rodgers might have been able to salvage a playoff berth. I think that is spot-on analysis for Mr. Silverstein, Thompson, I mean, you, you don't have any sort of analysis on the guy the Packers have brought in in the Thompson era other than Aaron Rodgers. Ingo Martin, not worth talking about at all. Brian Brom, real bad. Matt Flynn, usually bad, sometimes inexplicably very good. B.J. Coleman, very bad. Uh, couldn't beat out a uh, worn-out, broken-down old Vince Young for a job. Uh, and Brett Hundley, who so far has looked very bad. He doesn't even get the, the Matt Flynn exception of sometimes being inexplicably good outside of that one incredible throw to Devontae Adams in the Bears game. The free agents, Seneca Wallace, not here long enough to tell, but he did not look very good. Scott Tolzien, actually very bad. Graham Harrell, who until Devontae Mays is the only Packers player I know of to fumble in his very first snap as a member of the Packers very bad as well. And Vince Young, disappointing and bad. How do you not do better than this? How do you draft, let's see, one, two, three, four, five guys and go 0 for 5? You would think that the Packers would be able to draft at least one guy or devote enough resources to one guy to come up with one relatively competent backup. The Patriots seem to do it every single year. And I don't, I hate the while the Patriots can do it, line of thinking. But at least in this area, they've done it. They've managed to get enough competent backups that if Tom Brady ever were to go down, um, they, they have a guy who's at least competent. Uh, and, and at the start of last year, they showed exactly why. Part of that is coaching, which we'll get to in a second. But part of that is just having guys around who are good enough to get the job done. And, and the Packers quite simply have not. The Colin Kaepernick question is still an open one, and I think there's more to it than people are are honestly talking about at this point. At some point during this off season, it went from Colin Kaepernick is unemployed for some foot um league-related reasons. Let's say that to there is no inex- or there is no explicable way that you could decide to not sign Colin Kaepernick for his football prowess alone. I think that's a little bit ridiculous. Um, I think there are legitimate arguments against Colin Kaepernick as a football player. Is he better than a lot of the guys on NFL rosters right now? Absolutely. But I think, you know, for most of the offseason you could make the case that based purely on football reasons you, you could avoid signing Colin Kaepernick. But all that aside, and there's a lot more to the Colin Kaepernick thing that I care to discuss... That the Packers haven't brought anyone else in who is capable of starting at that quarterback or really made an effort to do so, I think is is it is it's frustrating. Um, I understand why the Packers didn't go with somebody right out of the gate. There's really no reason to try to sign a starting caliber um, quarterback as soon as Rodgers goes down, but by the bye week. It seemed like something should have been done. You at least have to try to stay competitive as you head into the stretch run. And it seems like the Packers didn't do that. It seems pretty obvious that Hundley was what he was at that point, And the Packers didn't make a change. I think there's quite a bit to criticize Ted Thompson about for this situation. But he is not the only one. Let's talk about Mike McCarthy for a second. There's a bunch of things to dislike about how McCarthy has handled this quarterback situation. He can't seem, for one, to settle on a game plan. Are we going to keep Hundley under wraps? Are we going to cut him loose? Who knows? It changes from game to game. Uh, The Chicago game plan, playing against a good defense and a limited quarterback, seemed like a a great example of how to maximize what Hundley does well and minimize what he does poorly. What he does well is he's he's pretty athletic. Uh, He can seem to manage out of a spread sort of offense pretty well. And uh, every so often, he'll, he'll throw a pretty accurate, beautiful ball. He can do that from time to time, and he does it out of those spread situations. He has a lot of options on the field. What does he not do well? Deep drops and read coverages very well. That's just obvious. That is abundantly clear by now. But the Packers can't decide what they want to do, and Mike McCarthy keeps switching from week to week it doesn't maximize what hunley does well. If you're playing with a backup, you got to maximize what he does well and try to minimize what he does poorly. The Packers don't seem to be committed to doing that. McCarthy also cannot call plays that seem to make any sense. Against the the Ravens, at one point in the first half, it was 9 to 2 run against pass at one point. It ended up being 20 to 11 called runs versus or called passes versus called runs in the first half. Why? How do you not even give your running backs an opportunity to do what they do? That doesn't make any sense, especially when you have such a struggling quarterback. Why do you not run the ball more? A quote from Pete Doherty of PackersNews.com. With Aaron Jones and Ty Montgomery out this week, McCarthy says he didn't want to overwork back Jamal Williams, who finished with 18 carries. One fewer than last week, by the way or maybe two fewer. He had at least 19 or 20. But then Williams' backup, rookie Devontae Mays, lost a fumble on his first NFL carry in the second quarter, and McCarthy spent, sent him to the Pines until garbage time, at which when he fumbled again. Mays and Williams were the only healthy halfbacks for this game. Now Doherty quotes McCarthy. I wasn't going to come in here and try to line up and, and bang the football with, frankly, one halfback that I believe in, and that's just where Mays is right now, McCarthy said. That's more on the play caller. Doherty continues. It is on the play caller. As much as players have to be disciplined, so do coaches. McCarthy didn't have the luxury of indulging his anger or giving Mays a teachable moment. He needed to pound the 230-pound back at the Ravens in tandem with Williams for four quarters and hope to grind the Ravens down and eventually open things up for Hundley. Absolutely 100% agree with Doherty, and that is rare. Um, you just simply don't have a choice. Hundley has proven again and again and again, multiple times throughout this Baltimore game, even early, that he is not capable of throwing. If you don't have a quarterback who can throw the ball, you've got to commit to, ru- to the run and you have to at least keep defenses honest uh, by having the possibility of a run there. When you don't call running plays, that eliminates that. I feel like I shouldn't even have to say that out loud, but that, that's, that's how things work and McCarthy doesn't seem to get that. Finally, there's the sunk cost thing. I, I come back to this again and again and again. The Packers can't just sit here and say, McCarthy can't just sit here and say, I've got three years invested in Brett Hundley. Um, we're we're going to stick with him. That's not a good reason. You If if he's not playing well, you have to make a change. You, you can't just sit here and say, well, I've got three years in, invested in him. Maybe he'll turn it around. That's uh, a wish is not a plan, is a saying that I heard once. And right now, the Packers are just wishing that Brent Hundley is going to get better. That, that, it's silly. It's, a, it's, it's not a plan. It's not a way to execute anything. It's not a way to improve. And it just does not speak very well of Mike McCarthy that he continues to stick to this line of thinking. Finally, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this one, but there is blame to be placed on On the Packers, quarterbacks who are currently on the roster and one who isn't. I'm talking about Brett Hundley and Joe Callahan. Joe Callahan. I've got turkey or Thanksgiving food on the brain. We will probably do turkey and ham here at the um, in-laws, by the way. Very excited for that. And I hope you have a really good Thanksgiving. I should mention this. This has been a little bit of a negative podcast. I apologize for that. Anyway, Brett Hundley, Joe Callahan, and Taysom Hill. Brett Hundley is seeing ghosts. He's seeing pass rush that isn't there. He's overreacting too much to the, the pass rush that is there. That is very much on him, and it's ruining the Packers' offense. He's also doing uncoached things that are not, I mean, McCarthy's got to be pulling his hair out on the sideline because Hundley is doing things that cannot be things that McCarthy was teaching him to do constantly dropping back too much, constantly rolling out too much, constantly throwing when he shouldn't from throwing platforms, all of that. You've seen the games. You know what he's not doing well. Uh, that I don't need to explain that part. Joe Callahan. I believe that if Joe Callahan was better than Hundley, he would be playing right now. If, if there was any debate about who is the better quarterback, it would be, uh, it, it, that would be the guy who's starting. If it's close, If Hundley is only slightly better than Callahan or equal to Callahan, the guy who is the draft pick and they've been developing to be the guy for for three years is going to be the guy who gets the opportunities. That's just the way it is. Callahan didn't do himself any favors by uh, by not being spectacular in the preseason and getting outplayed by Taysom Hill. He's also getting penalized as well for only really producing in, in situations where he's playing against deep backups. And that's, he's he's not starting over Hundley already for much the same reason that Taysom Hill is, is in New Orleans right now. Neither of them did anything but but play well against deep backups. And whether the Packers gave him opportunities to show they could do anything more than that is an open question. But the fact of the matter is they only played against those guys and they, they didn't look like world beaters against those guys. If you're really good enough to be a starter in the NFL, you should be lighting it up a little bit more than you are, and I think that's why Callahan and and Hill are where they are right now. While I've got you here, as we put the quarterback debate behind us, we've got to address something that's been all over the Twitter world the last couple days. The Packers are not going to be on hard knocks. Uh, The very popular HBO series about training camp and all the stuff that goes on there, uh, kind of the -the behind-the-scenes look, Fantastic program, by all accounts, uh, and it would be interesting to see the Packers on hard knocks, but they are not going to be on hard knocks. The NFL can actually force teams to appear for three different, uh, and uh, and there's only three circumstances in which a team can get out. Um, the team's coach, uh, head coach has to be in his first season. The team has to have made the playoffs at least once in the previous two years. If the team has appeared on hard knocks at least once in the past 10 years, they also cannot appear or can choose to opt out of, of hard knocks. The Packers, if they have any opportunity to do so, are going to choose to opt out of being on hard knocks. They made the playoffs last year, so they got that going for them. And beyond that, the Packers have absolutely no interest. Um, Mike, uh, Mark Murphy and Ted Thompson would be making the call there, along with head coach Mike McCarthy, and you just cannot, um, cannot imagine them being part of it. In fact, as Gary writes on the blog, Rob Domovsky reported in 2013 that Thompson and McCarthy have actually said as much. Aaron Rodgers said the exact same thing on a re, in an interview with Jason Wildy of ESPN Wisconsin in 2013, quote, I wouldn't like that kind of intrusion. I wouldn't want that kind of access. It's just not going to happen. It would be fun to see. It would make for some great television. Uh, and I'm sure the HBO team would get some really great shots of Lambeau Field and all the stuff going on around Green Bay, Wisconsin. It would be spectacular. It's simply not going to happen. The Packers will never, ever let that happen. That's the show for this week. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving and it's very relaxing and full of turkey and whatever side dishes that you like the most. I'm a stuffing man myself, but whatever you prefer is fine with me. Just get a lot of it because it's Thanksgiving and it's the perfect excuse. Also, have some cold turkey Uh, on a sandwich Friday at some point or maybe Thursday get that in there anyway All the stuff about how you can find us. Where can you do that? Thepowersweep.com is our home. Uh, Our great website looks fantastic. Uh, Check us out there and uh, find out about what's going on with our Black Friday sale. Facebook and Twitter, great opportunities to connect with us as well. And if you would like to connect via email, reach us at thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. If you would like to support us financially, you may do so at patreon.com slash thepowersweep. You have an opportunity to get a consistent 25% off on everything from the t Teespring store there. You may also just buy things, as per usual, at teespring.com. And if you would be so kind, give us a review on iTunes if you want. No pressure, but it, it helps more people find the show and uh, helps us represent ourselves online. We do love to hear from you. Any feedback you give us helps us make this whole operation better and helps all of us become Smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, Smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and Better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I am John Muting. We will see you next week on Blue 58. Happy Thanksgiving.